Hello, I'm Lauren, and I've recently finished my master's degree in music psychology. Hi, I'm Kelly, and I have half a law degree, which is completely irrelevant. But something we do have in common is that we both have big feelings and a curiosity to understand how music plays a part in that. And we wanted to make a podcast together because we're hilarious. So we cleverly came up with a way to combine all of these things, well, except half a law degree, in our podcast called Audiotopsy, in which we dissect the complex relationship between music and emotion. Each week, we'll be talking about some of the musical and psychological theory behind how certain songs just seem to get us right in the feels. It is a music psychology podcast, but you don't have to be a musician or a psychologist to listen to and understand it, because what we're going to be talking about really does have universal appeal, and that is music and its mysterious relationship with our emotions. So this is our first episode. It Welcome is. to Audiotopsy. <laughs> Woo! Um, and in this episode, our plan is to just go over some of the theories of music and emotion because um, it's a bit of a minefield, to be honest. The the theory, um, sorry, the area of music and emotion in music psychology is still quite a new field compared to like other areas of psychology. So there's still a lot of debates. There are very few answers. Um, but we need to talk a little bit about some of the basics. It's not basic at all. I don't know why I said basic. We'll just dive in. We'll start right at the beginning. We'll, and we'll dive in. We'll talk about... Get in the deep end. Yeah, which is exactly what we're doing. And we have no idea how to swim, but <laughs> we're doing it anyway. Where are the floaties? Yeah. So we're going to just talk about emotion. Okay. To start with. Um, what... What is an emotion besides a pain in the ass most of the time? <laughs> what is emotion? So, like, we all have a emotional regulating system. Mm -hmm. That's the way. That's what I'm thinking. Like, like at our absolute core, the our emotions were made to develop us as humans. Right? Ah. So we were developed. So this is what I'm. This is just me spouting off the top of my head that it's the reason we have emotions is. It's about existing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's really primal. Yeah. And it's about having, like, building relationships for safety and security and to procreate ugh, and to, like, develop those things. And having fear as an emotion be to be worried about our being murdered by... Saber-toothed tigers. That's the one. <laughs> you can't <laughs> see me. I'm doing the actions. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, you know what? You're absolutely right. Oh, well. Yes. Don't According to um, to some theories, okay. But you know who who had exactly that um, same idea that you've just had? A little guy called Charles Darwin. Oh, little Charles, yeah. Charles Darwin, we all know and love. Obviously, everybody knows Charles Darwin. So he came up with the evolutionary theory of emotion. In that, um, our emotions exist because they are adaptive. They help us to adapt. I.e. Like feeling scared when you do see a saber-toothed tiger or feeling love, which, like you say, helps us to reproduce. It's, it was all about adaptation and evolution. People that were more kind of like emotionally astute did better mm -hmm. in life. And therefore, that, that was something that was bred into us, you know, just the way that... So the more emotionally intelligent you are, the better you're going to do. Yeah, 
Okay. It's, um, I love this podcast because it just sounds like I'm thick and I'm just spouting <laughs> nonsense and you're like, I've got the answers. Yeah. <laughs> but no, because... You're not fully thick. <laughs> well, if you're thick, then so is Charles Darwin. And I don't want to go... We're not doing that. ...in public saying that. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but, I mean, this kind of only really explains core emotions like fear, love, disgust, Very those kinds level. of things that would keep us alive, yeah. whereas I'm sure you would agree that we have a lot of very complex and irritating emotions correct on a day-to-day basis every day <laughs> yes um so there are a few other theories of emotion and um why we have emotions and how we have emotions and, and that kind of thing there was a guy well there were two guys actually um uh, mr james and mr lange lange yeah what a fun word carry on they didn't work together but they had kind of like they agreed with each other um, and they're... Um, Two men agreeing. I know. I like that in the world. Carry on. <laughs> we like you, James and Lange. So they came up with a physiological theory of emotion, right? Okay. Which I'm, I, like, reading it today, I think they must have been writing it thinking, this can't be right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how, where was it in the publishing process that they sort of thought, yeah, we're full of shit. <laughs> Someone's going to buy it. It's, it's all about the money. Um, but yeah, so what they've essentially said is that emotion is a result of a physiological change in our bodies caused by an external stimulus. So we see the grizzly bear and we shake and then we feel that frightened the because we're shaking. So, okay. so they've said like, we don't tremble because we feel frightened. We feel frightened because we tremble. That doesn't make sense. No, thank I'm, you. I'm not about it. No, I'm not. I'm not on board with that. So yeah, uh, no lunch for yeah. you. I'm happy to say <laughs> that um, theories have developed slightly. There were two other men, oh, men, um, yeah, called Callan and Bard. Our podcast is very feminist, <laughs> as you are. Well, yeah. Um, Cannon and Bard, and they also had a physiological theory of emotion, but they said, they looked at James and, and Lange's work and they said, no, that nah. can't be right. They said, your emotions, they happen way too quickly to, to you know, to be a reaction to um, a physiological change. So what they said was, um, you have the physiological change, but you have the emotional reaction at the same time. Okay, a collective, that makes yeah. sense. But the thing is, thinking about it, you see... It's a visual, right? You'd yeah. see the grizzly bear. It's a visual and your eye sends the, like, magic to the brain. Yeah. Oh, signal. The signals. Are... <laughs> oh, yeah. there should be a video because I make so much hand signals. Um, signals to the brain. The yeah. brain goes, meh, 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 danger, bear. Yes. Like, and then that would send signals to do right. this physiolog- physiological. Yeah. Yeah, so they're saying that's happening. Right. That is happening. Like you're registering, you're seeing the stimulus and it's triggering both a physiological reaction and an emotional reaction. Yeah. Right? I'm not mad at and that. And the emotional reaction kind of like serves as um, like it helps you to get out of the situation. It also helps you to avoid the situation in future mm-hmm. as well. Um, so those are two kind of like physiological theories and they suggest that emotions just happen as a result of a stimulus and we have no control over that emotion that we feel they're just um, magic well yeah okay but if that were true would we not always have the same emotional reaction to a certain stimulus because sometimes mm. in life i don't know about you but sometimes you can one thing can happen and you can feel a, a certain way about it yeah same thing can happen you can feel you a can totally different way about it yeah. right exactly mm-hmm. um 
And wouldn't we always, wouldn't everybody respond to the stimulus in a certain way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if, if those theories Some were, love were true. Bears. I mean, why do they put <laughs> such cute ears on them if we're not meant to give them a tickle? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was one of the people who would have died. Carry on. <laughs> it's so cute, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's the, we have to develop on that because that doesn't fully explain people's emotions yeah. so then we started to get cognitive theories of emotion okay so when any when we talk about anything as being cognitive it's it's to do with thought processes so we have two more men what and these are shakta <laughs> no close shakta <laughs> shakta shakta and singer okay so and they had a a a two-factor theory of emotion, which was a cognitive theory of emotion. So they say, like the other guys before, a stimulus leads to a physiological response, and then your brain interprets this, interprets the response that you're having, and that results in an emotion. So you interpret the response the fact, that the you trembling. have. Yeah, so you, right. you interpret, oh, I'm trembling, I must be I scared. Must be scared. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But also it depends on the stimulus as well, I, I guess. Um, How many it, birds are there? <laughs> what are they wearing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, um, so it's saying that our, it's the first kind of thing that said our interpretation and the way we've interpreted a situation is responsible for our emotional reaction. Okay. And it helps to explain why some physiological reactions are associated with multiple emotions. So like, for right. instance, you could be trembling with excitement or joy that something has happened okay. or with fear and it distinguishes yeah that. and okay. it's because you're appraising it in your brain um and you're then that the emotion arises out of that right okay yeah interesting and then probably one of the most widely known ones is called the cognitive appraisal theory which was sort of built on that and it was mainly by a guy called lazarus great name cracking name i mean 10 yeah. points yeah so you encounter a stimulus this is what lazarus says you encounter a stimulus which you appraise. So with, with Lazarus's theory, you're appraising the stimulus rather than your response to it. And then that appraisal results in the, um, the emotional reaction and the physiological reaction. Okay. So it's, everything is hinging on how you view the situation. Right. So how um, your brain's interpreting the yeah. bears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the most commonly accepted um, theory on emotion and how sounds we logical. and yeah. how we experience how we have emotions as um, as human beings. Um, the, there is kind of a little bit of um, pushback against this theory because some people say that it's happening so quickly. How could you possibly be appraising something and it, it happens instantaneously, right? Yeah. So there are two other men, Ekman, <laughs> Ekman and Griffiths. I want to hear from a woman. Go and carry on. <laughs> and they say that some emotions are non-cognitive. So there's the idea that some emotions have an automatic appraisal process for like those core emotions like fear, disgust, those sort of things. Is disgust a core emotion? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. I would have thought like love and fear. They're the two that I would think. Because yeah. I, I rage somewhere that love and fear fuel all your other emotions. Mm -hmm. Like... Fear fuels anger and everything else. It all actually comes from a very, like, a base of fear. Disgust, but disgust is one of them. Is a, is a core emotion. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I c I'll actually look at what the core ones are, but I know disgust, fear, um, I, I don't know. Those two, definitely. I'd like to see the disgust character in Inside Out, please. <laughs> <laughs> what does he look like? Pixar, Pixar, come on. Come at me. Um, yeah, so, in terms of regular theories of emotion... Mm which we have just heard about. 
so the idea is that music is the stimulus. Okay. And we are appraising it when we're listening to it and we're having an emotional reaction, reaction to, to it. it. Okay. That would be nice and simple if that was the way, right? Yeah. But because listening to a song and having an emotion is not the same as encountering a grizzly bear in the woods and having an emotion, there's need to explore... What if it's a bear playing a banjo? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I mean, get Lazarus down here now. <laughs> Laz, mate, you got to see this. He's wearing a top hat. <laughs> He'd love that, Lazarus would. Oh, um, it's like you're, you're trying to do a serious podcast and all I'm doing is being a toddler going, but what if the bear was wearing a top hat? <laughs> what if he's a distinguished gentleman? No, but I think we need this because otherwise the podcast will be boring. <laughs> so... Um, that kind of brings us into the, the music and emotion thing because, as we just said, is having an emotion as a result of a life-threatening situation the same as having an emotion when listening to a song? No, no. it's not. Yeah, because um, the severity of the situation. Yeah, and that's why the the area of music psychology that deals with music and emotion kind of arose because it was recognised that this is a different thing, but it's still an extremely powerful thing. Like, mm. the emotions that we feel when we listen to music are still really powerful. Yeah, they are. Um, so it became an area of music psychology. And that's what we're mainly going to be talking about henceforth. Woohoo! <laughs> all right, so, having completely explored and understood um, all of the theories of regular emotion nailed it now we're going to move on to theories of music and emotion nice so um like i say it's still a relatively new area of music psychology and therefore it doesn't really have many answers for us it has a lot more questions than answers we love that but um you know we're just gonna roll with it some of the key questions are first and foremost how does music make us feel things basically valid okay so how does music evoke or convey emotions and um if it does indeed evoke emotions in us are they real emotions oh i like that as in are they the same emotions that we feel when confronted with a grizzly bear in the woods we're going to keep going back to the grizzly bear the bear's now part of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) so That's kind of mainly what we're sort of talking about. So kind of one of the main debates in music and emotion is how does music make us feel things? And Mm -hmm. there are kind of two sides of that debate. Let's hear them. So to quote Mayer from 1956, who was... Shout out to Mayer. Yeah. He was a very... um, It's quite a while ago now, 1956. Yeah. But his work was very influential in the field. Nice. So, you know, we still... We still quote him. Um, So the two sides of the debate are, one, the absolutists. And the absolutists believe that music in and of itself causes us to have an emotional reaction. Okay. So the things that are contained within the music. But what does it mean by contained? That is the musical elements. So things like the harmony, the melody, the lyrics, if it if it's got lyrics, um, rhythm, all of those different musical layers. Yeah. Yeah. How the way that they're combined within a song or within a piece of music, that is what gives us an emotional reaction. That's what the absolutists believe. Beautiful. And then you've got the referentialists. Oh. And they believe that what we do is we attach our own meaning 
to the music, which is what causes us to experience an emotional emotional reaction. Kind of like the appraisal theory Mm. of emotion, where we listen to something, we appraise it, and we attach our own experience to it. So some days you listen to a song and you're like, okay, this is a song. And some days you're like, it's the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two sort of main sides of the debate. They've been called other things. So um, Hunter and Schellenberg, 2010, they talk about the two sides of the debate, but they call them the emotivist. So that would be equivalent to the absolutists who Mm -hmm. believe that it's the music itself that makes us feel the things. And the cognitivist um, which again links back to Word of the day. Yep. Yeah. Which again links back to the cognitive appraisal theory. So they're they're saying that we attach the meaning after appraising it. Okay. Um, so those are the two main things. Nobody knows who's right and who's wrong. There is no right and wrong. It's um, just subjective. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. It's kind of how you feel. Um, also, um, Sloboda and Jocelyn, who again are very influential in this field. Um, Shout out. Yeah. They have said that. The two sides are called intrinsic emotion, so emotion that arises from the music itself, and extrinsic emotion, so that's emotion that arises from the meaning that we attach to music. And what I like about them is they say that both things are happening Okay. when we're listening to music. I like that because it's not going, no, it's one or the other. I like the, personally, I think they both have value, they both have points, given my zero knowledge, expertise, or anything on this just my pure curiosity and interest that i'm like they both have points yeah i think they both do make sense and i think the most logical thing is that both things together. are actually happening yeah it's very rarely black and white is it no we um, live in the gray so yeah i think sloboda and jocelyn you're hitting the nail on the head there guys well done 10 points yeah <laughs> there's a lot of points um so well, yeah so we agree with that so which one do you think is more relevant to you so if you feel a strong emotion when you're listening to a song, mm-hmm. is it, for you, mm-hmm. more the music itself or is it something that you're associating with that song? Mm, it's a really good point. When I, so I'm trying to think of the last song that I like, cried to mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking, okay, was that because I was associating it with a situation or how bad my day was or mm-hmm. what was going on in my life at the time? And I think it's a... I feel like we're all... Hang on. What was the last song you cried to? Uh, the last song, it's called Lonely. As in lonely? Yeah. No. <laughs> Not that Acon. one. Was it Acon? <laughs> I'm so alone. Sorry. I have nobody. No, Sorry. it wasn't that. It is called Lonely. It's mm-hmm. by Noah Cyrus. Okay. And we'll, we'll put a little clip on. I'm slowly killing myself. I'm trying so hard at the back of the shelf. It's just the same every day. It's really sad, and then when it gets to the chorus, it just it's just screaming like I'm so lonely, and mm-hmm. like won't anyone like no? And it's just I feel like last year was a really hard year for me, and it was I I caught that song at the end of the year, and it just it was something that I would just I just belted it out like on the way to work, and I was just crying because I was just so at the point of like no resilience left. Um, and actually, like, so what I now know is that crying actually releases, like, dopamine. Yeah. Like, it gives us, it is a release. It's something yeah, that yeah. we need to do. Yeah. And I was just at that point where I was just so stressed. And I had it on and I just turned it up and I just I got it out of my system. So for me, it was me putting, yeah. so am I more... You're, you, well, it depends on it, what name you want, but you can be a referentialist or a cognitivist. 
Ooh. They're the same I'm, thing. I'm going to take cognitive. Yeah. It's cognitive. It's our word of yeah. the day. Um, yeah. yeah, so it was... So I think I think it's both. Yeah. Well, I would... Sorry to interject. No, of course. I, I would say... And those lyrics are extremely emotionally oh, charged. Are. Oh, they are. Absolutely. So it's, you know, there's definitely musical elements that are there that mm. will be contributing to that. But from the sounds of it, it sounds like it was more your own Mine, situation. Absolutely, it was. And what you were applying to the song what was the last song you cried to um i cried to oh it was it's embarrassing because it's musical theater <laughs> and i don't even like musical theater <laughs> you're like look it was it was baby shark okay i said it <laughs> no so it was um it was a song from the musical hades town See, this is what I was going to bring up because this is quite interesting because okay. I this was the first time I'd heard this song and I cried to it. Oh. Okay. So that tells you, or tells me, or tells us, that I I wasn't ap- applying any personal things to it. it yeah, was, it was your first time experiencing yeah, it. It was the actual music itself wow. that made me cry. But I would say that with musical theatre, mm-hmm. you can never really... It's meant to be charged, isn't it? Exactly. It's meant to, it's meant to make you cry. Because was it the music or the lyrics? Or was it that you were, I think were you it watching was, the It was show? the lyrics and it was... No, I wasn't even watching the show. I was okay. just listening to the album. It was it was the lyrics that, that got me. Okay. What is it... I mean, this might be a conversation for another time, but I was just I was going to ask, what is it within a song that you feel you most listen to, that you most attach emotion to? That you must focus on when you're listening to a song. I think it's probably lyrics for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, if I'm especially if like if I can fi- if I find them relatable. Yeah, even not necessarily relatable in general, not necessarily in the situation or with you know in the current context of my life. If I just find the lyrics relatable, yeah, then yeah, yeah, I feel it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Lyrics are really important. It's 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 a bit different for me as somebody who like has studied music for so long. Mm. I have such a critical. Uh, reaction to music of course um but I, but i still do have an emotional reaction to mm-hmm. music as well so but it's just it has to be certain things like if it if a song has got certain things in it mm. I'll, like i'll just get turned off it straight away and that that kind of blocks me having an emotional reaction to it and i think that is what we're going to talk about in a second okay um but um but yeah so in that instance i just heard the song first time ever and it made me cry and I think it was mainly the lyrics, but also you can't kind of take it out of the context of the fact that I know the story mm. behind what's going on. And it's a very, it's a Greek tragedy. So like okay. it's, you know, it's a sad story. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you can ever really look at it as being completely abstracted from any kind of yeah, other of meaning, course. you know. Because um, with context, it was more powerful, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but that, I thought that was interesting. But then, then I do have certain songs that I can just not listen to because yeah like i associate them with like you know painful memories or Mm. you know difficult times um so like that i had sorry to interrupt you um i had a colleague and we used to have a radio in the office there's only like six of us in the office and if a certain song came on it was an adele song that had been played at her mother's funeral and every time it came on she would just shoot out the room she just couldn't listen to it and it wasn't necessarily a sad song it was a powerful song because as all adele songs are but she heard it and she was out because for her that song was tied to her mother's funeral and it will never untie and that's i think that's why 
this is such an interesting topic because music is so powerful, like when it comes to memories yep. and emotions. And that's why this is just a really interesting area of psychology. Oh, it definitely is. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, um, I agree with Sloboda and Jocelyn and with your kind self that it's probably... Um, My nonsense. <laughs> that it's probably a bit of both that's going on. I can certainly personally think of examples of both. So, um, I'm sure most people could. <laughs> So one of the last kind of things I wanted to talk about in um, the field of music and emotion is the idea of what kind of emotion is being evoked. What is it that we are feeling? Are we experiencing a genuine emotion like as we would, you know, to something tragic or something really joyous happening in our life? Like, I don't know, someone dying or someone being born or um, what else happens that people get happy about? Weddings, apparently. Yes, yes. Um, Both emotions. <laughs> Mainly boredom. <laughs> Where is the food? <laughs> is the bar free? Um, um, yeah, so are, when we listen to music, are we experiencing the same emotions, the same intensity as we would w when going through well, we those? we actually experience yeah, those, those things okay. in life. I guess it depends on the association we're making with it yeah i had a song that i remember hearing just after hearing having grace sorry we're going on a little tangent and it was beyonce end of time and it was like the words are i will love you to the end of time and it's really upbeat and i remember like she was probably five days old and i was dancing around the kitchen with her and it was after like kind of that initial oh. freak out of like oh my god i've gone home with a baby like 24 hours after having her and but you know the panic the first few days of once I was like oh I can feed her I can change a nappy I'm all good and I just remember like those first five days I was high as a kite on like just so yeah. in love with her and then I was sleep deprived and it was just downhill from there yeah. but like that happy phase I remember that song coming on and me dancing around the kitchen and just feel like that was such for me such a powerful memory now because it was so like I just had that song blasting and I just was like I will love you until the end of time I was crying I was yeah. so like just yeah. in love and just happy just euphoric it it, it that is the only time I've really experienced mm. that kind of euphoria mm -hmm. about music. Um, and I, it was so proud. And now every time I hear that song, I can't help but just, I've got the biggest smile on my face and I feel, it takes me back to dancing in my kitchen with a five-day-old baby. Yeah. And she's 11. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it still gets me there. Yeah. I'll be a friend. I will love you so deeply. I will be the one to kiss you at night. so obviously that that was a really powerful emotion and you would probably say that that felt very real right mm. that was a very real emotion but there's i mean there are a few people out there who say that it's not a real emotion that we're we're experiencing when we listen to music is it is some kind of like superficial emotion um so going back to mayor 1956 mm. our boy shout out um so he wrote his own theory on music and emotion which was all about musical expectancy so his idea was that um, the emotions we experience when we're listening to music are a result of expectations that we have about that piece of music being either met or not met. Okay, like what that journey is going to be and what yeah. we're listening to, okay? Yeah. yeah, and he says that's kind of where the emotion comes from. So if we are listening to a, a, a song and we are expecting it to go a certain way and then it does then we feel satisfied and happy or vice versa. 
um, essentially. Or sometimes it's kind of nice when an expectation doesn't get met and it's like, oh, oh where's this little curveball there like that. And like a drum and bass beat drops yeah. and you're like, yeah, baby. Woo! Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's all it all comes from that, essentially. And I think people would probably say, well, how do you have expectations about a song when you've never heard it before? But we all have inbuilt into us thanks to culture and society, mm-hmm. a set of expectations as how a song should go. It okay. should go, you know, just just as a very basic example, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's how we think a song should go. Mm-hmm. And this chord should be followed by this chord, for example, blah, blah, blah. So we have this kind of, um, it's called a schema okay. for how we expect music to go based mm-hmm. on our culture and our experiences to date. Um, and then what Mayer is saying is when songs either do or they don't meet those expectations that's where uh, that causes an emotional yeah, reaction yeah exactly okay. that causes it. and it's it's a nice theory but it is kind of saying no we don't experience true emotions when we listen to music but it's aesthetic it's yeah. just yeah well that's it's the, temporary yeah that's the next thing it's like going back to Sloboda and Jocelyn they also um talk about the idea that we are experiencing what is known as aesthetic emotions mm. when we are listening to music so it's not like a real felt emotion it's kind of like a representation of an emotion sort of thing okay aesthetic emotions are like what we experience um in relation to all forms of art so Mm -hmm. like visual art um theater music all those all those good all the the good good stuff yeah so they aren't true emotions they're kind of like a bit of a representation of an emotion and they're also very very linked to whether we like or dislike the art that we're seeing oh okay like we can't really Disgusted. have it. An... <laughs> like, because good art is supposed to make you feel something, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Just makes you think about that robot in the room collecting its own blood. Have oh, you seen yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That make that really cuts me up every time I yeah. see it. It was designed to slowly die mm-hmm. over time and feel sad. I can't. I know. Like it gives me all the feels. So yeah. shout out to whoever did that because yeah. it worked. Yeah. How can that not be a real emotion, though? How can that, what I'm feeling when I see that? Because yeah. it's a brief sadness, because obviously you see it. Yeah. Is it visual? Because I see that and I go, oh, that's really sad. And yeah. then I stop looking at it and I... It kind of goes I'm, away. Yeah, it goes away. Well, that's the thing. That would be a good argument for the idea that it's not a real emotion. You know what I mean? It's a temporary emotion. Yeah. It's not, and it doesn't affect you as deeply as like a, as if someone just died. I feel like there's some personal choice to this, though, because yeah. I could carry on watching that video or I could look at other YouTube videos. Yeah. I could research about it and then I could feel sadder about it. But I choose to like, OK, I've seen enough and I'm going to put yeah. that away like like we do scrolling culture. Yeah. Hashtag Instagram. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. A little line again. But I mean, no, but it's true. It's, it's like it's a temporary emotion or it's not quite as strong or but anyway that's what the debate is it's like is it a real emotion or not there's a lot of people that would say no it's not a real emotion but since um people started studying music and emotion technology has improved a lot and um more recently technology oh yeah more recently um there has been more neurobiological evidence in the field so they've been putting people in big scanners Functional, functional MRI. Just driving them in the biggest scanners again. <laughs> yeah. It's a functional MRI. It's consensual. Oh, yes. 100%. Fully informed consent was obtained, I'm sure. So, a guy called... Get ready for this. Okay. Mitter Schiftaler. Oh. German people. Shout let out. me know. Mitter Schiftaler. Yeah. Mi- <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Mitter Schiftaler. 
Mitteschiftala. Yeah. Mitteschiftala. There you go. Mitteschiftala. Yeah. Mitteschiftala et al. Don't forget because et al means that other people helped. Yeah. Yeah. Mitteschiftala et al. al. Yeah, 2007. Um, So they found, they put people in in a functional MRI and they found that the areas of the brain used in processing true emotion, so when, as in, as a response to a stimulus in life are also activated when listening to music. Mm. So it's the same areas of the brain that are being used. So that evidence would suggest that it is actually, like, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same emotion that we're experiencing in both, maybe to different degrees. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it's the same thing. But I actually am shock horror to everyone. I was actually reading your notes because (laughs) (laughs) I can't always be the one who doesn't know anything. Um, and obviously that there was the argument that that is a flawed experiment on the basis that they're only looking for two emotions, yeah. which is happy and sad. Yeah. As, or I think there's a spectrum of emotions. Yeah. Um, and that they were doing it with classical music. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. It's so like, I want to like drop some hip hop. Yeah. Put some drum and exactly. bass in there. What's the age range of yeah. the people they studied this on? What's yeah. the, what's their diversity? What's their music nuances is like, in what country is this? Are you sure you haven't done a master's in music psychology? <laughs> because I'm going to drop it in there someday and be like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> because yes, the the that research is all research has like shortcomings, mm. right? But yeah, that's very it's very limited, mm. exactly to what you say. For um, me, I just this is obviously your what you did your master's in. You're hugely passionate about it, and for me, I'm just a hugely curious person. Yeah. And every time I see something to study, I'm like, I want to know all the variables. Yeah. Like, how many people did they ask? Were they tired? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> who were they? Yeah. Were they mothers? Were they were they children? Yeah. Like, I want to know yeah. the details. Yeah, and the thing about this topic is it's probably best not even explored using experimental methodologies like that because yeah. it's so... Incredibly in, subjective. Yeah, and yeah, individualised mm-hmm. to every single person. So you're probably going to be better with something that's a lot um, more qualitative. Yeah, absolutely. In this field. But yes, and then you've got a guy called Kolsch. From 2014. Shout out Kolsch. And we like Kolsch because Kolsch kind of references Mayer in as much that he said, right, he does think that the musical expectancy theory is sound. Yep. And that is where... Is sound. See what you did there. Like that. (laughs) So he's saying, like, Mm. that theory is good. It holds water. Mm -hmm. um, But it's still going to trigger a real emotion. So... I'm with him. Yeah. That's how I feel We like Kolsch. I'm... I'm digging Kolsch. Yeah. 10 points. So that's pretty much it in terms of theory. That's all the theory I want to cover. It's by no means exhaustive, but I think we've kind of covered that those two sides of the debate as to what is it that causes us to have an emotion. And we've also kind of covered, is it a real emotion? Yeah. And those are the two main things that we really kind of want to talk about. Nice. So the idea with the podcast mm. going forwards is that we are going to be talking about pop songs, right? Yep. And I'm not... When when we say pop songs, we're not just talking about NSYNC and Britney Spears. Shout out to them, though. No. no. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a basic bitch. Shout out to them. <laughs> uh, when I say pop music, I just mean everything kind of outside of classical music. Okay, yep. That is kind of a widely accepted definition of pop music. Okay. You know, so like R&B, hip-hop, country music. Drum and bass. Drum and bass. Boom. Exactly. Rock music, heavy metal, all of that kind of good stuff. So it's kind of going to be about exploring those genres through choosing specific songs and kind of talking about where the emotion 
how those theories apply to those yeah. songs yeah. and giving our subjective analysis. You from a studied has a master's degree, boop, boop, um, point of view, and me from just my, yeah, that sounds about right, nonsense. <laughs> We're going to be talking to each other firstly about songs that we find particularly emotive. emotive. Yes. And we'll be talking about the kind of the the things that we apply to them in terms of our memories and, and the, the links that we have with those songs. But then also I will be bringing in the music theory perspective to say, well, maybe it's this within the music. And I'll just go and mind blown every <laughs> so week. We'll be starting with kind of the cognitivist perspective in terms of this is these are the memories and the associations that we have with this music. And then I'll be bringing in the emotivist perspective by saying well nice. did you know that this is happening in the music and did you know that this is happening in the music and that actually might be what's causing you to actually. feel that way so did you know that all of your feelings are lies <laughs> lies essentially <laughs> and with that are we done over and out yeah yeah our first podcast boom done thank you so much for listening if you have listened <laughs> if you've made it this far <laughs> grizzly bears thank you good night bye Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this little intro to the psychology of music and emotion. On next week's episode, Kelly takes centre stage as we explore two songs that she has a particularly strong emotional connection to. That's right. I'll be bringing the cognitivist perspective by talking about the memories and experiences that I personally have that I associate with the songs. And I'll be bringing in the emotivist perspective by analysing the songs and suggesting how the combination of musical elements may contribute to the emotional experience. You don't want to miss it, guys. And if you want to come and talk to us about your own experiences with music and emotion, feel free to slide right into our DMs. That's right. You can find us on Instagram at the Audiotopsy Podcast. So yeah, get in touch. Audiotopsy is researched, written, presented, and edited by Lauren Ross and Kelly Hunter in association with DeNovo Records. Our theme song is written and produced by David Ross at DeNovo Records and features the voice talents of Grace Hunter. Please see our show notes for a full list of our references. Thank <laughs> you.